Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to The Black Box. I am currently on the line right now um, with a gentleman who has started his own line of creator-owned comics. So I'd seen this gentleman on Twitter, I'd seen this gentleman on Facebook, and he was just posting, you know, pictures of artwork and story everywhere, and and he just he was just out there hustling and doing his thing, and and I just got real excited and hyped about it. And one day, this gentleman emailed me and he said, "Hey, can I send you?" some um some pdfs of these comics that i've been working on i was like yeah sure and he sent me he sent me a copy of a book called not so super and he sent me a copy of a book called this bites and i just and i and i read them it made me excited again um for for a couple reasons one um they were creator own books and i love seeing people that create you know create their own you know create their own materials and their own comics but there was so much fun and joy and all these like all these great things like all these feelings like welled up you know welled up inside of me i was like this is just great and it was great to see this from that came this interview and the gentleman that i have on the line right now is like i said before the founder of not so super comics ladies and gentlemen the one and only jacques niem Thanks for having me, Sean. Appreciate it. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank you for being on the show. And even though I, I pronounced your name 15 times before we <laughs> recorded this interview, I was still scared I was going to jack it up. Oh, no, you, you got it perfectly, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. But um, but no, um, Jacques, uh, you had reached out to me via email and sent me some uh, samples of your books, and I was just really, I was really pleased with them. And I thought they were great, and... They were all ages comics, like kids could read them, adults could read them, and, you know, and there's no, um, you know, no one would be, you know, no adult would be offended by reading these books, and no child would feel that you're, you know, you're kind of like dumbing it down, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was just great to see that. I really appreciate hearing that, you know, then, because that's really was the goal, is to try to create things that all people can enjoy, relate to, and, and not feel you know, feel uncomfortable by reading it, but still can enjoy it without, you know, feeling guilty about reading it. But Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you gathered that from my work. Now, before we get into the comics that you've created, you know, to date, Mm -hmm. let's Mm -hmm. talk about, like, where it all began for you. Like, what made you get hyped about creating comics? What was young Jacques getting into (laughs) before he said, you know what, this is the game I want to get into? (laughs) <laughs> uh, for as long as I can remember, uh, I love comic books. I, I'm not uh, for I can't even give you an age because I remember my I, I was born in Cameroon, Africa. Okay, um, and but that's where I, I'm I'm from. My dad is from there, but my mom is from the United States. But I lived in Cameroon for most of my life, and comics. You know, surprisingly, I, there were more comics there than us. That it was more acceptable there than it is here, which is. Hmm. Very surprising. But over there, I I read comics a lot and I enjoyed them. And my brother and I used to make comic books and draw things and wish that, you know, we can 
we can do some fun things. But the the problem with living in a third world, quote unquote, third world country is that arts is not like the biggest you know, it's not something that people seek out because your goal is to survive and your goal is to, to make ends meet and, you know, mm-hmm. live live a, com- a, a comfortable life as you can. And art is not that that way to do it. And <laughs> writing comics is not that way. Yes. But um, as I grew up and started doing this stuff, um, you know, I always internalized that. And I, when we, my family and I came here in the U.S. when I was 11, I think 11 years old, mm-hmm. I just... I just kept drawing and then, you know, real life hit me and then I was like, maybe I need to do engineering or something because (laughs) I don't think I'll make money doing that. And, you know, years pass and I'm saying all of this to say years pass after that and then I started writing, um, I was freelancing and my wife just started getting into comics and it reminded me, oh, you know what? I haven't read what's out there lately And and I got back into comics, started grabbing stuff started actually writing about comics and then after a while i started looking at what other people have written and and enjoyed what i saw you know i i didn't know about independent comics and i just grabbed some like from something from vince white uh called um uh, it's it's a book called Willpower, and then I saw something from Justin Peterson that's called um, Very Near Mint, and those just made me excited to see that independent comics are actually interesting. So I decided to start writing too. So, and the rest, as they say, is history. I just kind of saw what other people are doing, and I and it made me think in my head, you know, maybe I can do it too, and and I just tried, and now we're where we are today. <laughs> We like we're in an age now where it's easier to create mm-hmm. comics than it was like 10, 20 years ago. Yes, you yes. Know, the, the the internet has changed a lot of things. I mean, there's still there's still always going to be the issue of okay, financially, how can I put this together? If, if the financial means are thin, how do mm-hmm. I collaborate with somebody? How can how can we get this out to the people somehow? And you and you hit the nail right on the head. That is exactly actually. I think the timing that I decided to do it was perfect because prior to years before. You know, trying to get people to even care about something that you post, you know, was mm-hmm. nearly impossible. You know, you can't I can go down the neighbor, my, my circle of friends, my real circle of friends don't care about comics. You know, they don't like that type of stuff. I'm like the only person in my my group of, of friends that I know. Uh, and grew up with that really do care about comics. So the internet and being able to find other people with the same interest and being able to talk about things and grow your circle of friends and being able to learn from other people, it's a lot easier now than it was several years ago. And that definitely does help things and make it a lot easier to produce and make and, and share, you know, when a few years ago you couldn't do that. line of comics your uh, your label is called not so super comics yes. um now what what made you decide to, to call your line that that name <laughs> number one i i like self-deprecating humor so it kind of <laughs> make people at a second it, believe it or not more people were pay more attention to the fact that it says not so super than anything else like why would he say that about his comics i mean why would but you still 
somehow click and find out what more and more people are like, wow, that's actually pretty interesting than me saying super comics. But the, the main reason why I did that was because um, I wanted to focus on stories that that focus on the human element of things. Um, I, I, I like escapist and humorous type uh, stories and, and things that are fun and fantastic, but I like to ground the stories in what's the human element of things and what people really feel like and what people really go through. Even though the story is ridiculous, the goal is for you to focus on what humans go through. Not so super is really a direct dig to the big two because I, I, I don't want my stories to be repeated, just focusing on spandex and tights and and um, the the unrealisticness of being a superhero. I, I like focusing on the things that that makes us human. And I guess not so super is a, is a direct dig at the big two and is saying that my stuff is not about spandex and capes is about humans and whatever stories that I can find and however I can put the human element in my stories, I try to do that. We have a market, a comic market now, which is influenced. Well, it's always been influenced for the longest time by capes and tights. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, there was a period of time in the 80s and early 90s where independent books had a strong hold on things where, yeah, you may have had independent superhero books, but you had independent slice of life. You had independent mm -hmm. science fiction. You mm -hmm. had uh, independent satire. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like the genres were just varied and it was it was great. <laughs> you know, it takes me back. It takes me back to the times where in the '80s there was this book that started out at Dark Horse. This is like mm -hmm. early Dark Horse, and then it became so popular that the person uh, just took the book and and put it on an even smaller, smaller, smaller label so he could try to get a bigger piece of the pie. It's called Boris the Bear. Mm -hmm. I actually heard of that one, and I and I've been meaning to have that in my collection. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but it was it was it was the ultimate satire for for the long, for the longest time, and and as as it went along, in the um, the quality I shouldn't say the quality dipped, but it was just one of these things where as it got as it got further along, I don't know whether the creator was like, well, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. Because everything that he really wanted to get out and the things he wanted to poke fun at. Um, he, you know, he really did that in the first 10 issues or so, but there was also an underlying story underneath it with Boris too. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, but still that was the thing. It was so, when I saw that it was so different and I was just like, man, he, he's like, he's poking fun at all of these, all of these, uh, these companies that like try to do stuff after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or, uh -huh. you know, or, or like, you know, the, the yeah. you know, or stuff. It was like all Robotech. kinds of amphibians popping up after a while wasn't there yes <laughs> yeah i mean it was frogs and sharks and i don't know what oh but it, you know like and I, I loved all of it i mean because of yeah the, i loved it too i loved it too but it was it was fun how it, it sparked something else <laughs> yes oh yeah yeah oh yeah through all that other creation somebody was like listen okay this is madness and it has to stop <laughs> you know but th but that's the whole thing like it brought about competition Mm -hmm. And comics sorely needs competition because competition makes people want to do better. I agree. When I saw Not So Super, and we're going to actually get into the first title in a minute, the, the, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, um, it's called Not So Super. But <laughs> you know, when I see when I saw a book like Not So Super, it's just like okay, 
uh, I saw that I was like, and it it got me hype, and it made me want to go create something. Mm-hmm. You, you know what you know what I mean? It's like we need that back in comics because see, competition from in my eyes is I don't want competition to be something like. Oh look, DC's announced that uh, you know for their next gig they're going to come out with a new set of 3D covers. That's mm-hmm. not that's not competition. Yeah, that is not. Mm-hmm. It's just having more money and being able to do stuff with it. But right, it's just a gimmick. It, you know, <laughs> it's just a gimmick. Exactly. It, it, it's just right. a it's just a gimmick. I don't. You know, that's not creating competition. Mm-hmm. You know, creating competition is making a story that gets people's attention, and then everybody's talking about it, and they're like, "Wow, okay, that's kind of hot." You know mm-hmm. what? I, I got to top that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know and, what I mean. Go ahead. And and I love healthy competition. And, mm-hmm. and every single one, like Action Lab, I, I love the stuff y'all do. And we are, we are, is a competition, but it's not. It, it seems like competition to turn into this negative term, which it shouldn't be. Right. Because uh, I, I feel a com- competition means I'm looking at your work and I and I admire what you, y'all do, mm-hmm. but I'm like, you know what? they didn't do this part in their story. So let me add it on mine so that I can, and we can bounce off of each other and grow and become better individually and still all gain from it, you know, rather than being like, I have a slice of the pie and I want to hold it forever. But you become stale and and people don't care about your stuff after a while because you're not truly competing. You're you're more like trying to clinch at your property and not, you know, not really do something different. Right. It just becomes stagnation. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You, you know, and 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 in this era, and in this era, you know, stagnation is not good. Um, <laughs> not. You know, especially for an attention deficit gener- attention <laughs> deficit disorder generation. So <laughs> that's true. You know, but you know what? Let's talk about uh, one of your first titles uh, called mm-hmm. uh, "Not So Super." Um, okay. Can you tell the people what "Not So Super" is about? Okay, "Not So Super" is just is a story about a guy named Daniel who is just uh, trying to live his life as a normal guy and just trying to to make ends meet and, and live in his 30s. And he doesn't really care too much about his job and is trying to, to make the most out of his life. But out of the blue, he starts getting some superpowers that kind of change his life. And the weird things about these powers is that they just randomly appear and he doesn't know where they come from. And they are random powers on their own. And they kind of put chaos into his life and we follow the story as he's tried to figure out what caused him to be this way and we learn about his friends and his life and and the bigger picture that is involved in what made him be who he is now and it's pretty much there's a lot more behind the story and 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 it's it's in a very small way like a biography of my life but it's (laughs) is an interesting very interesting story and i hope people appreciate um enjoy it and like it and your the artist uh, on this story was a gentleman by the name of joe hunter yes and i'm a big joe hunter fan Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I'll make sure I relay that to him. His line work, I love his line work, but his colors, mm-hmm. this like this man can, what he can do with colors is great because it the colors always match the story. No mm-hmm. matter no matter who he's coloring for, the mm-hmm. colors always match the story and always help the mood. And because I think sometimes people take things like inking and, mm-hmm. and coloring. And especially things like uh, lettering, I think some people take these things for granted and they don't really pay attention to how much they add to the overall element of the artwork and the comic as a whole. Mm -hmm. And Joe just did like Joe really did a wonderful job with these colors. 
And, and, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one thing that, uh, you know, a lot of independent comic people do not look at. And, and I'm fortunate to have a great team of artists. And, and if you look at each book, each person bring their own strength into the story. And Joe's, as you said, that's one of the main reasons why I got, I'm working with him is because he has the ability to to generate that mood, exactly what you said. And the characters, the way their face and everything and the, and the colors, because one of the main things in my my scripts, I've written, you know, the somber mood of a certain room. I knew he could capture it because I've seen a lot of his work and I've been, I, I kind of act like a NBA scout or a, a college football scout <laughs> when I get artists because I looked at their stuff and I know what he, he was capable of doing and he produced perfectly you know what i was looking for in the mood and and each artist and every different book that i've done they have their specific strengths and they they play it very well and and that's what makes these comics to me i think very interesting because they they definitely use their 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 talents into it Now, in making these comics, because, you know, like, not so super number one, that's, you know, it's mm-hmm. the first issue of, of mm-hmm. you know, with more stories to come. Yes. Um, and plus, like, books like This Bites and mm-hmm. the up-and-coming uh, Smorgasbord Squad. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, you've got, like, you know, these random, you know, you've got random art teams on, in all these books. and But mm-hmm. at the same time, the way you're doing this, from what I can tell, and if I'm wrong, please correct me. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you're doing this is kind of like also at the same time you're testing out these books digitally to mm-hmm. see to see how they do, what kind of reaction you'll get, and print wise, yes. and print wise, you know, you're going to try to hit the convention circuit and mm-hmm. ga- engage people's attention. Now, from mm-hmm. from that is one of those things where where if you go to you know do these shows, you get these digital reports, and you say, mm-hmm. okay. I'm looking at the reports. I'm looking how we did at these shows, and mm-hmm. they liked X more than they liked Y. So I'm going to continue with X over mm-hmm. Y. Or is it one of those things where, you know what, we're just going to continue to to do these books, and we're going to finish them out, and and we're going to make sure that people have the whole story, regardless of how people feel about it or how the reports go in the beginning. I'm going with the where my my aim is the latter part. I okay. want all three books to be completed and my ultimate goal is that and i'm using the gauging to see what people like and didn't like about certain things so that i can i can adjust accordingly for the larger books because my ultimate goal is for all three of them to be completed books you know and that's really what i want to do and the issues is an introduction to kind of gauge the interest and see where it's kind of losing people so that i can fix that Mm -hmm. so that um as a team we can fix it as well and and make it interesting so that they will want to read the larger book yes but the ultimate goal is to get all three of them completed okay nice nice Mm -hmm. now i noticed that your website is you know uses tumblr um mm-hmm. you, you use tumblr and that that's a that's a thing that i think like a lot of um a lot of comic book people a lot of creators of various forms of media mm-hmm. really need to understand that like things like tumblr things like vine things like mm-hmm. instagram all these things can really help you spread the word across of what it is you're trying to do as opposed to just a regular website yes um yes. you know and plus like the, a lot of these things are free Mm-hmm. Which also helped because then you know that's that's um, saving you uh, you know domain costs and all this mm-hmm. you know web web service hosting things and all these things have their positives and their negatives. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, but people need to be using these tools because I, I think they are tools, you know, yeah. and, and they sh- and they should use them. Like now, how much does like social media and, you know, these sites like Tumblr and whatnot, how much do they play into, um, you know, your not not so super comics? Actually, the, <laughs> social media has been a, a humongous blessing to 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 my comics because I don't have any. Pr- I mean, I, I had some print versions just because I I wanted to have a printer ready, and so I did some small limited runs just so that I can at least have some print versions, and I I won't have to deal with trying to figure out what printer works or or not later. So I, I did some prints, and I got some very good stuff back. Um, from RA Comics, no, I was just kidding. <laughs> but um, I, I went and I social media has definitely pushed my um, my my comics to a lot of different eyes. And what you were saying is actually pretty pretty um, accurate. And 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 what I'm trying to tell to other independent creators is that use the free route first. There's no reason to spend a ton of money on a brand new website and you're not sure if people even care about what you're writing you know so i like you said i use tumblr because tumblr is the easiest one to update for me i can update things and that's where all the artists are you know and and i know i want to sell my comics to to regular you know regular comic fans but i want it to be somewhere where there's people who like to share and reblog and and read and and look at things that are art related and mm-hmm. comics related and tumblr tends to do that very well and and also i can plug in some analytics and see where people are coming from and what they do with what they click but I found that social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram has been perfect in getting people um, engaged. I have the same people in all of those medias, but certain people interact more in one area than another. So being able to capture people in different areas is, is very important. And if anyone is a creator, I think start off with the free routes before you start plugging in a whole bunch of money and and you know end up feeling discouraged because you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it you know yes yes because trust me like the <laughs> the thing about creating comics is is that that money could disappear just like that i mean mm-hmm. you know yeah you, you know those resources could like you know the financial resources could drive in a heartbeat you know <laughs> yeah especially if you don't know what you're doing because like a lot of us a lot of us we just do you know we dove in head first mm-hmm. yeah without without knowing what the end result end result would be financially um, financially mm-hmm. or fiscally um mm-hmm. in the long run and with independent books you know that can make or break you mm-hmm. yeah and i'd rather put the 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 finances and the 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 put uh, put put the money into the artist then i'd rather put it into a, a website to be honest because mm-hmm. i can try my best and have the most beautiful website on earth i'm a, I'm a web designer by trade mm-hmm. so i you know i can i can make the most awesome website but i can utilize all that effort on trying to create a beautiful website and you know not have a good book i mean i, I rather the the product is more important than it is the marketing of it to me personally i'd rather have a good book ready and then you know save up and work hard to try to market it than try to put all this money towards marketing and have a subpar book you know so i think that's that's my mode of thinking and once the book is done and everything is is good then you might see that that lovely website become a little a little more engaging than it currently is maybe (laughs) 
your other book uh, called This Bites. This book is like, you know, it's different than Not So Super um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, not only from an artistic, st- not for only from an artistic standpoint, but also from a layout standpoint as far as mm-hmm. how the pages are laid out and how mm-hmm. the story is told. Not So Super really has an old school, late 80s, early 90s Nickelodeon cartoon look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we talk about stuff like Rocco's Modern Life or uh, Our Real Monsters, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that. It's really got that kind of look slash feel to it. And like the colors, the colors are just like they're they're bright or you know, or they're very striking. You know, like I said, they once again colors really set the mood. But um, tell you know, tell the people about this bites and the inspiration for making this book. This bites actually is uh, is this one is a story about a guy named Jasper who's um, I don't know what y'all feel about hipsters, but he's he's pretty much a hipster a guy who uh, work at a record shop at some place that is reminiscent to uh, to Portland. <laughs> but he's um, he's trying to he's a uh, just is a guy that lives in a, a really hipster city and he happens to just walk out one day and gets bitten by a vampire um what makes this very difficult for him is that he is actually a vegan a lifelong vegan so now he has this dry, this very difficult moment of trying to to survive from um actually giving into his thirst for blood and trying to maintain his lifelong um Oh, to stay a vegan. And there's a lot more to this story because, you know, his grandma, you know, is his only confidant and he goes to go and see her and try to learn more about what's happening. And she ends up being a very integral point in helping him figure out what's going on with him. And the story has a lot more to it, but pretty much it's, it's going to be a very funny, interesting story that I, I think people are going to laugh a lot about. <laughs> and um, the, the, cause of this story what made me think about it was surprisingly i love inspiration comes from the weirdest places uh, my wife and i were just sitting watching julia child's cook and i just was like thinking there's not that many stories with with a strong grandma in it <laughs> and i just randomly just that came in and then all of a sudden i was thinking about um i, I think that was, during the time of writing this i was getting tired of seeing um what is the i'm trying to rem- i can't believe i forgot the name of this vampire movie that was sweeping the nations a few years ago uh, was talk about twilight Tw- yeah, twilight thank okay. you ah oh, selective amnesia right there <laughs> <laughs> twilight <laughs> twilight was uh all over the place and i was like you know what i was just uh i'm not i think i could do a vampire story and but what if the vamp the person vampire bites somebody who's a vegan what would happen then and i i decided to create like a its own lore its own little story and 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 that the rest just pretty much fell into place and and in my mind, I had David DeGrand in my head the whole time. Mark actually suggested him to me, um, who is the letterer for this story. Okay. He suggested him to me, and I saw he did stuff for, for Nickelodeon, obviously, for SpongeBob SquarePants. So the Nickelodeon influence that you mentioned is pretty much he does that type of stuff. So nice. it So it, it, it fit exactly the story and the theme that I, I wanted to, and I talked with him, and he, he was excited. He loved this kind of story, and he, um, he knocked it out of the park, what he came up with. 
I, I was mm-hmm. I was really pleased because um, <laughs> I was really pleased because I just started reading and I'm like, what am I getting into here? And then, <laughs> That's and, what I want you to feel. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, upon upon reading that, I was like, I just kept reading it and I just I just really enjoyed it. And like I said, it just like it, it's not that these things have to take me back to you know the era of like you know of nickel like old school Nickelodeon or or this and that, but you know, to be able to enjoy those comics and say, wow, you know, it also, hey, it did bring up these things. But mm-hmm. even if it didn't have those things, I would still I would still enjoy it regardless. But, um, you know, I can you know, I can tell by looking at these books, like, you know, it's not that just, OK, we're just going to make these books. No, you are mm-hmm. planning this stuff out accordingly. And there is a plan behind these books. Um, a lot of people will just make a book and just like, oh, I just made this book. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I'm very nostalgic driven, and I, I like people like you that actually each time, each each element that I put in there, that you can grab it. And, and I've had some reviewers read these books, and they just pull exactly what I'm trying to to give. And 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 I and I'm glad that comic fans can actually see the influences and appreciate it. But I also like that people who have never read this stuff before don't don't even know that this influence is then and to them is totally new but is interesting still and it, it just really makes me happy and it also makes the artists happy because i always relate to them you know what people that people actually get what they're doing and that's that is great and i'm i'm glad to hear that from you sean hearing you say that the that you actually are picking the stuff that we're putting in there oh you're welcome you're mm-hmm. welcome and like i said it's great it really is it, it really is now the thing is like so you do a lot of things you know you, mm-hmm. you run us so super comics you know you, you know you're, you're writing these books um mm. you know you're working with creative teams mm. you know so like you not only are you the writer but you're also like the editor-in-chief um <laughs> you know you're also you know the head of marketing you're you know <laughs> you you know you you run i don't like using this word but you run the brand per se <laughs> yeah. you know like businessmen we're like you run the brand that that's you know that's your job you run the brand but uh-huh. um the thing about it is is that um you know it takes up a lot of time Mm-hmm. You know, doing this, no matter how you plan it, um, uh-huh. it takes a lot of time. How do you balance making comics, running a label, mm-hmm. um, you know, keeping in touch with the creative teams, mm-hmm. writing books, um, trying to market the books, you know, via social media and, and, and Tumblr and, and whatnot, um, and also maintaining that nine to five and mm-hmm. also, you know, being a family man? <laughs> I, I when I find the answer out, I'm just I'll tell you. No, I'm just kidding. No, no it's it's mainly I, I'm first and foremost. I have a very understanding family. That's that's the most. I have a wonderful wife. My my wife Lindsay has has been very supportive of this. If she wasn't supportive, I think I would have been. I, it would be this would be a lot harder to do than it would have than it could be. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, I have a supportive family and. In everything I do, they are the first the first people I ensure are not affected by what I do, and they are understanding. Like right now, my wife is trying to hide my my child from <laughs> from this podcast so that she doesn't scream and ruin <laughs> ruin our interview. But uh, but we work together and make sure that everything you know schedule wise that I'm not influent I'm not uh, impacting our time together. But beyond that, my day job having these boundaries really do help a lot because i 
I can set times based on the boundaries that I already have set. Like my day job, I try my best. I have to schedule a lot of the things that I post because I can't post at work. And since I do, you know, web stuff and other things, my job will probably hate me if that's all I do is <laughs> go online and talk to people all the time. So I have to schedule some things and I have to plan accordingly to, to make sure things pop up. But I make sure I communicate to people once they do respond to the things that that I schedule and pop up so that they feel like I'm not just posting stuff just to annoy them. Right. But I rather want I rather do want to have a real conversation with them. But after the the day my day job, you know, at at night, nighttime is re- and weekends are really my my um I have a few hours with family time and then afterwards I I work all night long and I barely sleep, but mm-hmm. I the late night is really the time where I do all of my work for not so super and a few hours on the weekend I spend doing stuff for not so super. But surprisingly having these boundaries are what makes it easier because I can I can say, no, I won't do this because I'm spending time with my family. Right. Or no, I have a job during the day. And, you know, those things kind of force me to to plan accordingly rather than, you know, just wing it and end up being you know end up messing everything up you know the one thing about comics is is that like i don't like ever really using the word breaking in yeah. Um, to me, breaking in is a bad connotation, especially when you're talking to black people. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> but um, but but the thing is, is that you really don't break into this business. You just do it. Yes. Um. You you know you just you just do it. And the thing is, is, and then also the other thing is, is that for the most part, there's no one way. Mm-hmm. There is no one way because there's no one way to get, especially like if you're a writer. If mm-hmm. you're if you're a writer. You just have to go make things like say, for instance, like for a lot of people, they want that job at Marvel. They want that job at DC or they want, you know, they want their book to be published by company X, Y or Z. Mm-hmm. And so there's no for for writers. There's no. OK, this is this is the collegiate step by step process of how to get a job here. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Like comics is like one of the one business, one of the one of the few businesses where there is no step by step process. Yeah, you know, you want to be an engineer, there's a step by step process. You want to be an electrician, there's a step by step process. Mm-hmm. You want to be a coach, there is a step by step process. Yep. You want to make comics, there is no process. Yeah, you know, you, but you know, go ahead. Uh, but that's where community is important. That's where people need to talk to each other because you know I. The reason why for me it's a lot easier for me than it's been for other people prior to is because I look people when I see somebody with a good comic I send like like when I sent you my my story I, I try to get input from people that I know are doing it already and right. and people are open to share it's just you got to go be serious about it and go out there and talk to people and and learn rather than you know sit there and because sometimes people try to to beat their own path and they end up repeating a lot of mistakes that we've been through you know i try to help people not go through the same mistakes so that they can be better than having to go through some of the things that we've gone through you know because we didn't know you know and spend a ton of money on a website or you know do a whole bunch of stuff that that ends up you know 
discouraging them about in the process of doing this. Yes, yes, and, and mm-hmm. not and not only, but not only that though. It's one of those things mm-hmm. where I, I try to I try to explain to people that people want to make comics. That's great, and mm-hmm. if they have, if they have questions, that's great. You know, mm-hmm. but one, don't be offended if you reach mm-hmm. out to somebody and they don't get back to you right away. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, no. <laughs> and, and and if you do it, please do it through email. Don't yes, do, don't do yes. it through Facebook. Don't do it yes, through a Twitter yes, yes. direct message. Um, <laughs> you know, don't because you know cats that like cats like yourself, Jacques. You know, you're busy. Yeah, and and the thing is, you know, it's hard to keep track of all this stuff. Yeah, you that know? is true. But at least in an email, it's like okay, that's in my inbox. I can mm-hmm. eventually get to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's and like you're right. Don't be offended. That yeah. is true. Don't be offended because there's several people who's who's who my my stuff are still in their inbox to this day. And I'm like, oh, OK, yeah. one day. But you, you'll be surprised. You know, yeah. you never know. You never you know. know. I, yeah. You never know. You never yeah. know. And, and, and don't send people messages through LinkedIn either. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm still That's trying That's my to... job place. I do not want. <laughs> right. I'm still, heck, heck, I'm still trying to figure out how LinkedIn works. Um, In the midst of, like I said, creating all these comics and running and running a label, you do logo design. Yes, I do. And and logo design, I try to explain. I've tried to explain to a lot of people that a comic, doing a comic is great, and you know, making that comic fit to how you want it to look and feel is great. But having a logo that logo is important you you know what i mean it's not just oh i found this font smack it on there you know it's not (laughs) it's not that like a logo can also make or break your comic yes that is true you know like logos and cover designs like those those two things are important in the making of a comic for me in my eyes Yes, because that's the first thing a a client, a potential customer sees. That's the first thing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So so being able to like, you know, make people see, hey, what this is, you know, what this is about. You know, it's important. Like when you look at the 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 first issue of Not So Super, Mm -hmm. you know, you can kind of tell that it's kind of slice of life, Mm -hmm. but there might be more to it. And the use of the, the color palette and in the in the proper use of the logo and where it's placed is is great. Like with with this bites, you know that cover is completely different than not so super, and and the logo you know makes its point. Like as far as like I know, like I saw on your uh, on your on your tongue tied breathe, <laughs> okay <laughs> on your on your not so super website the uh, you have this thing that says open logo for open for logo commissions, and I just like how long have you been designing logos and. Mm-hmm. What are the things that like run through your head when you're designing a logo? Uh, yeah, um, I've I've been um, to ask you a question. I've been doing I've, I've been a graphic designer for almost I'll say close to ten plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, but design has always been my the thing that I always like. But the process of of logo designing for me is the first feeling that I get is exactly what we just said a few seconds ago is I always think in the perspective of the customer. Hmm. Um, Industry-wise, I always look at it as if I am a buyer of comics, what will get people to pay attention to? Although I cannot take credit for the This Bites logo, that one was done by Mark. 
uh, Jackson, who was the letterer for that one. Okay. So I'm not getting credit for that one. Okay. He did that. And the Smorgasbord Squad one, uh, Justin Wood did that one. But he, they both ran it by me. And, and you know, they visually hit it right on the head that I kept what they, they did. But um, for logo design, you know, I always implore other designers and people who do that type of stuff to think in the perspective of the person who is getting that product because it's very easy for you to want to make it beautiful for you and your taste and sensibilities but if you're you're the person who is creating this thing you're not the one buying it so always make something keeping in mind the person who is going to to get that item mm. and the, and to gather that information, you have to talk to these people. You have to find, ask questions. My, my, my questionnaire is notoriously long, but it's just <laughs> to gather information and understanding the person who is going to be looking at this thing. And, and based on that information, you add in elements and things that will attract that person into wanting to, to, to see, this, see this logo once it's completed. Let's get into let's speaking of smorgasbord squad. Let's get let's get into this madness because when 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 I saw when I saw like some previews and some sample work, I I was like, okay, what what is this? Well, you know, what is this? I'm like, okay, talking food and adventure, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I, Jacques has to explain this to me before I before I delve any deeper into it. So, okay, what is um, smorgasbord squad? <laughs> As you as you were talking about my other comics and the evolution of the the process, the first one that's not so super was more of reminiscence of the eighties and the, the traditional comic. And you were saying uh, this bites reminds you of Nickelodeon. Well, Marcus Moore Squad is Cartoon Network, if you would like to okay. to, to, <laughs> to put this into a, a more uh, a category. This one is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. It's a, it's a story about uh, v- uh, vigilante. Um, a group of vigilante food costumed uh, superheroes who fight a, another group that a villains call uh, um, the Hunger Pack, and they are a whole bunch of people who are pretty much stealing food out of the city of Hassenpfeffer, USA. Yes, it's, it's ridiculous. I know, I know. Awesome. <laughs> but the story in itself, in in keeping in line with Not So Stupor, there is an underlying story. Um, the first part of the story, uh, the, with the craziness that I just described, is actually illustrated by Justin Wood, mm-hmm. who is, uh, for me, I feel like, is an artist that people need to know because uh, I, I, all the other artists are fantastic and everybody needs to be known. But he's one that I just happen to to just take a leap in, of fate and hope that, you know, his art will be great. But the, his ability to to just create something out of the blue, just in any, just about any style that you want, he has this knack of, of just hitting any style, which is surprising to me. I don't get too many artists that can just hit any different style and do it very well Mm -hmm. and he does that very well and he was um he's able he he brought 
most of the life of the story and made a lot of the the judgment call for the character look because in my head I thought food food vigilantes you come up with something you know I, I just I didn't I knew how silly I wanted the story but I didn't have an image and he created an edge, image out of thin air and and I give him full credit for that and, but that's the first part of the story he he handled that part but the second part of the story is the part that that goes to the not so super is what makes some people want to don a costume made of food. And wh- why, what is this ridiculous? And that story is, is illustrated by Kayla Miller. Mm-hmm. And she, she puts in the origin story. And, and there's two stories that goes on throughout this. And you get to see the ridiculous and the what caused the ridiculous to happen. <laughs> so it, 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 it works well, very well together. And I think a lot of people, if, if you look at the ridiculous side and you're like, oh, this is stupid. And then you go to the second part and you start, start seeing the reasoning behind it. You start really enjoying, you get to see two sides of the story in two different ways and two different arts, art, art ways, which I think is, is something that I don't see often happen in comics. Mm-hmm. So hope people enjoy that well the, the fact that you have characters called apple tina hot tamale <laughs> spinach spinach with uh, spinach spelled s-p-i-n-i-c-h and then some little some little sidekick monsters that look like a nom minions or a nom i'm like okay i was like this is crazy i was like i gotta ask jack about this because i have no idea what this is what what this is so i was just like this is as crazy as street sharks so i I need to ask him about, about about this so no that's that's really cool man Let's let's roll back, you know, before we were creating comics and it was like, mm. you know, we were, we're like, we're going to take it back to the 90s. Mm. And during during that period of time in your life, what were things that like really got you hype? Like as far as like video games or like magazines mm-hmm. and, and things and things like that. What were kind of the things that like got you hyped during that period of time? The 90s, 90s. Okay, 90s was when I had my Sega Genesis. So all games... <laughs> All game Sega Genesis was in my house at that time. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I still have a Vector Man around here and a Batman animated series. I so I know those those hyped me quite a bit back in the Yo, day. Yo, the Batman animated <laughs> series game for Sega Genesis was incredible. I tell you, that that was my favorite favorite game, and and I, I'm I'm kind of mad. My brother got rid of it, and it. it you do not know the pain it put into my heart, <laughs> Karen. <laughs> they, they got rid of my game. Yeah. We had fights to this day that I don't think is will ever end because he got rid of that. <laughs> but but beyond that, you know, I was I, I was a huge I was the nerd in school. So I, I, I I'm gonna be completely honest. I was very nerdy and I still am to this day. Uh, so science stuff was in my head all the time. I. I I just love science and things related to science. So that that was one of the biggest things that were in my life. But I also, you know, had friends that tried to pull me out of it. So I was, you know, listening to, to music was one of the things I enjoyed. So I have my my Bone Thugs and How Harmony <laughs> CD somewhere <laughs> around here. <laughs> I have uh, I just have just a variety. My life is kind of weird because I came from another country, so yes. I, I I didn't understand the concept of clicks and yeah. the concept of uh, 
of people of you know there's there was still some you know there's racism is not something that's ever gone but it's right. one of those things that in this country happens in other countries people it happens in other countries but in cameroon everybody were black so the, it was more like tribalism than it was like racism but you know here there's certain things that i was not fully aware of so when i was around here certain things that would phase other people never faced me because i didn't know right, it was supposed right. to phase me right so you know, I was into all different kinds of music and I wasn't really embarrassed of, of what I listened to. And I didn't I wasn't embarrassed that I didn't wear, you know, whatever was fashionably appropriate for that time period. Because to me, you know, hey, I got clothes and it fits and it looks good and right. it's nice. I'm OK. I don't care. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> so, your experience uh, is your own experience. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of things that, you know, phased other people in the 90s for me, I, I spent most of my time just trying to figure out the landscape of this country and understand, you know, my differences. You know, my mom is from the U.S., so she she prepared me for some things, but she was out of the country for during the whole 80s. So she didn't know what happened in the 80s. So and the country fundamentally kind of shifted, you know, right. since her leave. So the certain part she can prepare me for because I didn't know. And so I came in and my music was far behind. I was still, that's why people think I'm an old soul, but you know, <laughs> 80, I knew 60s and 70s music, but I didn't know nothing about the 80s because, you know, I lived in another country. So, right. oh, and, yeah. it, so. And, and, so all, and all cultures are different. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we all don't, you know, all cultures don't run on the same timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, like, hey, somebody, like I said, somebody might get hip to something like today. It may not be hip to somebody else, like in another country, for like four or five years. Exactly. Exactly. But for some odd reason, for to, for my torment, uh-huh. um, Family Matters made it to Africa at the exact same time that it was here. So that I got to be Steve Urkel in two countries, which was incredibly horrible for me. I don't know why <laughs> I couldn't escape that. No, but <laughs> you're not supposed to see that that, that is weird because like Ur- but see the thing is urkel took over the whole world at the same time all right exactly. you know like i props to jaleel white because like i don't know how he just bogarted that show from everybody and it was just like it became the urkel show exactly um, we we've talked about this on the podcast a couple of times about how urkel just took over the world but yeah there are some things it just somehow it makes its way everywhere at once and but there are other things that may not be found until decades later. There was yeah. this, there's this song, and um, I can't remember the name of the band and the singer, but the song was called Jamaican Funk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jamaican Funk. That's what it is. Let it get in, in uh, let it get in into you. Uh-huh. And like when it came out, it was like the late '70s, early '80s in the United States. And mm-hmm. I remember. It, like it was, they, they played it. It was like one of those like you know old school throwback songs. This was a couple of years ago. They you uh-huh. know like DJ it was like throwback hour and they threw it on. I was like, wow, I ain't heard this since I was a kid. And the DJ mentioned that that song was number one. And I forget it's in some country somewhere. I can't remember where it was number one, and it was brand new to them. Oh wow! And I'm like, this song is 30 years old, <laughs> but it was brand new to them. So it's like th- like the rate of you know the rate of discovery it changes mm-hmm. you, you know yeah. what i mean the you know it the rate, you know and, and there are all these underlying factors too so you know mm-hmm. it just it all depends but yep. it's funny that you mentioned bone thugs and harmony because this is the perfect sidebar <laughs> did you know that in like either the late 90s or early 2000s that mm-hmm. bobby brown was supposed to be a part of bone thugs and harmony <laughs> 
I didn't know that actually. Um, I got to give a shout out to my, to my homie Chuck because Chuck gave me this rele- revelation, um, revelation, revelation, um, not too long ago, and I've been wanting to share this with somebody for a while. <laughs> um, like Bone Thugs and Harmony, they put out like this album of like unreleased cuts and and things uh-huh. like that, and there was a uh-huh. song called "I'm Bone," and it's uh-huh. Bone, it says Bone Thugs and Harmony featuring Bobby Brown. <laughs> And, like, you only hear Bobby sing on the hook. Uh-huh. Well, rumor has it that they were recording a Bone Thugs and Harmony album. Bobby Brown was supposed to be the new member of the group, rapping and singing, and rapping and the whole nine. Because, uh-huh. you know, because Bobby did love to rap. Uh huh. And he, yeah. he, and he yeah. threw it down. And, and Deroni kind of rap. No, I was kidding. Oh, <laughs> but, but, you know, he, he threw down. But, like, um, there's, I can't remember the title of the album. But they they go I go through the list. And I'm reading this on, on the internet somewhere. So like you know it could be half truth, half half fallacy. <laughs> but it said at the bottom, Bobby Brown was removed from the entire record. Wow. So but then people asked Bobby if he was ever part of Bone Thugs and Harmony. He either says no comment or it never happened. So. Uh-huh somebody has the master reel somewhere and this has now become like my holy grail of music i have to find someone who has this album you know now that you mentioned this now i'm i'm actually writing this down because now i want to find this myself (laughs) because it like it doesn't like supposedly like you know no one can find anything except like you can go on youtube and like type like in bone thugs and harmony featuring bobby brown i'm bone Uh i'm boning you can hear him singing on the back of that but that's Uh it that's it. You know what? I'm about to just send you a direct a Twitter direct message with a YouTube link for this song. But um, but yeah, please do. Uh, I, please. <laughs> I am dead serious. I got I got to I got to get my homie Chuck on the show because he 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 knows about this. So I have to nope. get him on the show now. Yeah, I I need to know more about this seriously because because <laughs> I'm just like this sounds like some alternate alternate universe types yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah, because see the thing is nowadays because the way music is now and how mm. um and how you know like you know like there's a lot of people are just doing things independently they have their own labels they know the business so much better and they realize they don't need a label see something like that happening nowadays that's commonplace like Bobby Brown part of Bone uh, that, that you know you know whatever whatever but like yeah. but like in late nineties early two thousands it's like wait a minute Bobby Brown's joining Bone. Are, are you serious? Yeah, that that would have that. I think that probably would have changed some things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I'm like you talking about reality show being Bobby Brown because, like, you know, because people forgot about that Bobby saying, and it's uh-huh. like it's like Bobby Brown on bone. What you know? So yeah, it, my mind is still blown by this. So I one day when I when I when I get grown and I have the money, I will find these master reels and I will buy them. And I will share them with the universe. Please, please do. Please do. Please do. I think the world needs it right now. Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. Oh, oh, that's the... good to know. That's good to know. Because now now I have something I can tell some of my friends. Yeah. In, in between my uh in between my uh, my talks of comics, now I can I can throw that in there too. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So so yeah, it happened. It, it happened. So I, it's it has to exist somewhere and we will find it one day. We shall Look, find it. I hope that doesn't bring about the apocalypse or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's, that made my day. Good. Yeah, I'm glad I could share it with you. That makes me happy.
we close, I, I just wanted to, uh, to to tell you first off, I really appreciate you giving me this chance to uh, speak, you know, about the comics and you know my influences and all that other stuff. Uh, it's it's this is my first podcast, believe it or not. So you made this a very fun and, and entertaining uh, opportunity to do something like this, and and I hope you have me on. Yeah, have have another opportunity to come on here again because it definitely is fun. <laughs> You know, all I wanted to say is, you know, I, I like to sign off for the, for those who do this, who want to do this thing is, you know, the first and most important thing that people need to do is have a love for comics and care about the people you write about. And, you know, and also care about the team that you work for uh, or work with. I have a wonderful t- team of uh, artists who do fantastic work and i really appreciate all the effort that they put into this um i i do pay them for that work but they can be paid probably a zillion times more than what i offer but their their love for this is evident in every page that that is published they show they bring their a games and i really do appreciate the hard work that put into it and um i hope that those who read these books can can read it and see the the blood sweat and tears that we all put into this and and i hope that they appreciate it and and like it and and if they get a chance go and check out the artists page and their their information and and let them know that the work that they do is is worth it um again i appreciate being given the opportunity to be on here and and i really am enjoying this show and i'm i'm going to be tuning in a lot now knowing that <laughs> hearing this yes and i and i i do um again thank you so much for for having me here oh jacques you're more than welcome and uh you're more than welcome to come back anytime because i may have to have you back on again because i'm looking through your twitter your twitter feed and i'm looking through <laughs> the photos and videos and you have a copy of seven up proudly presents spot the computer game <laughs> Yes, I do. And I do. <laughs> I can't find a floppy drive anywhere. So I, a, a old school floppy. I can't play this game. Ba- it breaks see, my heart. You have no idea. <laughs> see, because because like this also was out on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh huh. And yeah. as- I have the. I actually have the the Sega Genesis version. Believe it or not. Oh, oh my, <laughs> oh my. See, now you gonna tell me you got, you got the avoid the Noid video game. <laughs> That actually was a thing. That existed. That was? Really? Yes. Uh, how did I miss Corp- that? I'm telling you, like, in, like, the late, in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, these corporate mascots were a big deal. They, they were like, yo, we're going we gonna to market and funnel this any way possible. <laughs> T-shirts, video games, cartoons. Dude, Rude Dog. Rude Dog clothing. Rude Dog had a cartoon. I, I I don't know where I forgot I wasn't around here. That's yeah. why I didn't know about this. I was like, How did I miss this? Yeah, yeah, man. Rude Dog had a cartoon on NBC, and like, and the designs were just like the Rude Dog clothing, and it was uh-huh. so abstract and odd. And I was just like, somebody just took Top Cat and turned it into Rude Dog. I'm like, this is just strange to me. Somebody has to explain this to me, but I saw that spot video game. It's just like it just all like hit me like a wave. It just all hit me. So did you see the California raisins one too? It's somewhere down there. Oh <laughs> wait a minute, hold on. What? There it is. Oh no, <laughs> no. Yep, that, 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 all of that is the inspiration to the comics. You know. <laughs> oh my god, they got a video game. <laughs> 
Oh no. Oh, Jacques, you done did it today. <laughs> you done did it. Oh, that's this is amazing. But Jacques, please tell people where they can find you on the internet, please. All right. Uh, yes, you can find me at notsosupercomics.com or go on Twitter to NSS Comics as my handle, my Twitter handle. Um, those are, or if you go on Facebook, you can find uh, find not so super it's not so super comics put the s at the end because uh, and now you can find all the information regarding the comics um that we will have a newsletter up real soon so you'll be able to sign up and people who sign up actually get free stuff if you sign up for the newsletter you you actually get free um some never before seen comics done by david DeGraw, which is uh, gonna be pretty fun um, for those, it kind of sums up why we love comics and also get previews of the different comics that we work on. So you get free stuff, you know, so sign up for that too. But we're, we're everywhere. Um, sign up, look up the comics and feel free to send a message and I'll be more than happy to respond. Excellent. Well, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Jacques, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. And yeah, I, I seriously hope to have you back on sometime soon because we're going to talk about this California Raisins game. Yo, because, we, we got to. We got because to. Because I, I need to know what this madness is about. <laughs> <laughs> I need to as well. I just I, ha- I bought it a while back when I was when I first came here and I went to some. I forgot what name of the store was. Is famous Martin Charlotte doesn't exist anymore, mm. but it had like a whole bunch of uh, of floppies, and I used to have a floppy drive C uh, com- computer, and I bought them all and never got a chance to play them because I can never find anything that can run it. <laughs> so <laughs> man, like he's trying to find like a DOS simulator or, or yeah, that's what I'm trying to find. <laughs> or, you know, or let alone a floppy drive that's gonna that's gonna work and connect through. Like you're gonna like okay, I gotta find something that's gonna connect from. Uh, serial to AT to, uh-huh. to USB. It's like, why do you have this piggy ch- piggyback chain that runs all the way down the hallway just to run a five and a quarter inch floppy drive? <laughs> pretty much, pretty so, much. So no, I feel you. <laughs> I feel that was you. probably the most accurate description right there. <laughs> and that concludes this week's Black Box. The Black Box is a member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at HHWLOD.com, where you can download previous episodes of this podcast, as well as Donnie Salvo's Tales from the Attic and John Carroll's The Carroll Chronicles. This podcast is also available on iTunes. The Black Box is also a member of the Comics Podcast Network. If you're on iTunes or the Forum for Geeks board, feel free to leave us a comment. You can also reach the podcast at blackboxpodcast1 at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next episode, dream big. Big, hustle hard, and never stop.